Hey everyone, Garcia here, and welcome to the Recreation Therapy Podcast, where we discuss all things rec therapy. Today we have a special episode surrounding COVID-19, also known as coronavirus. With us today, we have Dr. Joyce Michael Flynn. She holds a Bachelor of Nursing and Science, a Master's of Science in Nursing, a Family Nurse Practitioner Credential, and a Doctor of Education. She has been on this podcast in the past. And her areas of research are survivorship, resilience, and post-traumatic growth. We will be discussing how COVID-19 may be impacting individuals. So I want to thank you for taking the time also out of your day to meet with me. I know everybody's getting some kind of secondary uh, effect over this pandemic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So based on, on your observations, what is it, are some things that you can tell us about the COVID-19? Well, you know, first of all, I, I just want to make sure, you know, I, I'm not clinically working right now. Yeah. Um, but what we do know about COVID-19 is that there are other coronaviruses. COVID-19 means coronavirus number 19. So that's the 19th version of this. Uh, Again, we know that 80% of the people who will get COVID-19 or the coronavirus have either no or mild symptoms. We do know that there are high risk groups and that's the ones we want to protect. And those are people, especially over the age of 80, just in general, but especially over the age of 80, with comorbid conditions, so multiple illnesses aside from the COVID-19. People in general with comorbid conditions, especially those over 60, um, or with immune compromised situations. So people who are, have a cancer diagnosis are currently on um, chemotherapy or cancer medication, or other conditions that have blunted immune systems. At this point, we don't see any deaths. I think I just checked this morning below the age of 10. So it's mostly definitely in the 60, 70, especially 80 year um, year old. Um, The big three things to watch for, elevated temperature, cough, persistent cough, especially that's productive or you get sputum from your cough, Uh, chest pain that's persistent, and uh, malaise or body aches and pains. So if you have that, you need to let your primary care or your physician or your nurse practitioner know so that you can go in and get the appropriate treatment and or testing that needs to get done. And those are the same guidelines that have been coming out throughout the country as well, correct? Right. That's exactly what they're saying. Exactly. And again, most, the vast majority of people, even if they get this, I think will, will get through it. It's just, we really want to make sure that especially those at high risk can, we can reduce their exposure and also blunt that curve so that those that really need that high intensity care aren't the the num the hospitals will be able to handle the numbers that will need that care. Yeah, and there's such an information overload as well. And I actually had a chance to listen to uh, 
I believe he's a sliver of hope, the special edition earlier today. <laughs> So I had Thank a, you. Thank you. That's great. Yes. So I had a chance to to listen to that. And, you know, one of the things that you mentioned was trying to get the facts as opposed to everything else that's going on or some somebody else's opinion. And you said that you go on to the World Health Organization's website, and I believe CDC was the other one. Yes. The Center for Disease Control, cdc.gov. And they update you, the cdc.gov. Um, they will throw, they will come out with an update by four o'clock every day so that they have, you know, they are consistent in the reporting of the numbers, reporting. They have a fabulous website to go to, to look for symptoms, to look for when do you need to seek care, how do you need to go about that, and also how to reduce your risk and to keep yourself as healthy as you possibly can. So really good website to look to. And I was browsing through it as well. And as it provides some tips as well for uh, healthcare providers, I know a lot of rec therapists yes. work in a healthcare field as well. Yes. Yes. Oh yes. Rec recreation therapy. You have close contact with people and many, a lot of times the people you're dealing with are older also, they could be in some ways um, immune compromised. So you always have to keep that in mind that, um, yeah, you, uh, you are a clinician, you're a healthcare provider need to address that and also take care of yourself. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you anymore on that because it, especially right now when we have the shelter in place out in California and other states are starting to jump on as well, then if you also are not working, then you have to start thinking about your mental health. There, are there any tips that maybe you could start giving some people if they are in that position? Yeah, I thank you for asking that. So first of all, I want to also just support our physical health. And I want to make sure that when you are at home, that you eat appropriately, that you sleep appropriately, that you hydrate, and you take care of yourself and your own immune system. Um, in terms of mental wellness. I like to talk about mental wellness, supporting our mental wellness. It is okay to go out of doors. And I suggest that, that minimally once a day, you go out of doors. You can keep your social distancing from people by still going out of doors. And it's sunny outside. You get a nice little dose of vitamin D because that also helps with your immune system. So I suggest A, an out of doors activity. The other thing that you can do to sustain your mental health is we do live in community and communities are support. So looking at a variety of ways that you can still instill that community support. So there's people that are FaceTiming or Skyping or Zooming or some way that you need to reach out to other people and have that community. And I also suggest that when you reach out to them and you talk, don't just talk about the COVID virus. Talk about maybe a movie you just watched or a book you're reading or play chess over the Zoom or Skype or whatever, but do something to keep yourself engaged and going. It's really important to keep as much of a schedule as you can. When you wait, try and wake up at the same time that you would normally do, go out and exercise or eat breakfast or whatever you would normally do. Make your bed, get going and get yourself 
going and set for the day. Don't act like, um, you know, you're at home sick. You're sheltering in place to provide safety and security for our, for other people and to take care of yourself. So maintain that schedule. Um, the other thing that is really important is monitoring your screen time in general. And I would say because, you know, especially I really noticed this, that since I do have most of my course, well, I do have not most of all my courses online, I actually have to get away from the screen sometimes because it does make you crazy. The other part of that is getting away from screen time and looking at information about COVID-19. You do not need to be following this 24-7. You don't need to do that. You will get information as you need it. And what I say to people when they are watching this nonstop or incessantly, I go, what's the purpose for that? You don't do anything unless there's a purpose. Is this helping you? Is watching this nonstop making a difference in how your own health is? And I would actually say that the difference it's making is it's taking away your health because you're stressing and your anxiety is going up and that's taking away and uh, affecting negatively your immune system and how you can cope uh, successfully with this. So those are some ideas about that. Um, Last thing I do want to say too is we talk about the new source. Um, discipline yourself around that. Find a new source you trust daily, maybe two, maybe three times a day. Monitor that for 20 minutes, no more than a half hour to get whatever news you need. And just like exercise, I say to people, don't exercise too close to bedtime because exercise gets you kind of jacked up and you get excited. Don't watch news reports too close to bedtime because it's just gonna make you anxious and you're gonna have a hard time falling asleep. I think based on what you were saying regarding the anxiety that starts to rise in people when they're thinking or they're watching the news too much, uh, I can say that for myself where I, early on, I was watching it quite a bit. I was trying to follow it as frequently as I could, but then I started noticing that it, it was doing just that. It was making me feel uneasy. It was making me uh, get some of that anxiety coming in. And I noticed that once I was deliberately avoiding it for some time and only checking it once or twice a day, that I felt more at ease and I would get what I needed in that short period of time. And then otherwise, I'm doing other things because there's more to the day than keeping up with the news, even though it's very important, but a lot of the main things I can grab it once or twice a day. Yes. And, and I, I just, I'm glad you brought that up too, because with any trauma situation, and this is a traumatic situation, there's no question, but with any traumatic situation, people's lives have shifted or changed. And there, there are times, there are space, space and time that opens up for you to do some other things. Let, so let's use like, you know, somebody gets injured in a sport. Well, that actually, if they can't play for a while, there's some time and there's some space that has opened up 
for them to maybe do something else or work a little bit on something else or whatever. This um, shelter in place opens up some time and space for us to do some things that we would not ordinarily have a chance to do. Yes, we're working from home. Yes, we're involved in that. But there's still this 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 space and time that we can get some other things or work on other things or do some other things that are not necessarily associated with staring at the TV and finding information about that. And over the last week, I have just been so impressed in my own community and reading about some other communities of things that they have chosen to do with that time. And one of the other things that I can suggest with that time and space that can help your mental health is whenever I see people going through some significant things and I hear them talk about this, I know they're going to do okay. And that's the sense of service and purpose. And that in a weird way, there's you can create a purpose around this time you can find a way to be of service. And once you get yourself out of yourself, it does really help you mentally because then the focus becomes, what can I do? What can I control? What can I bring forth? Instead of looking at the negative part of, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't. And then you start sitting in that dark room developing negatives instead of shifting your mindset and saying, okay, um, like when I was doing my podcast today, there's going to be a picture. I wore a t-shirt, an old Nike t-shirt, and it says, just do it. And so there's just a point in time where you just got to do it. But in that process, to be creative and to think about ways that you can, things that you can control and ways that you can be of service and help it really can lift exponentially some of your grief and your depression and your anxiety around this. Yeah, I think you're correct uh, on saying that there's definitely other things that can be looked at now. So if there was a book that you wanted to read, now okay. could be a good time that you need to, that you could pick that book up. If there's something you wanted to learn, obviously we have the limitations of the shelter in place, but if it's within your reach, within your domain of where you're living, then you could do that. Or if trying to get some physical health, doing some physical fitness is your thing, then you could start that. Or if you've been trying to start something, there's at-home workouts. I've seen tons yes. and tons of people that have started to do at-home workouts or Instagram Live or putting daily YouTube videos, whatever the case is. I've seen tons of people. And also, I believe in um, one of the other states are doing like social distancing workouts. Uh, I think other countries are doing balcony workouts. And another unintended thing that I happen to catch, one of the more positive things in the news was uh, that Italy is reporting some of the, the water in the... Uh, oh, Venice? Yeah, in Venice, that some of that water is starting to clear up. Oh, there. So, you know... Yeah, I don't, you know, as we were talking about this, first of all, thank you for bringing all that up because I was, I was going to say, I was, you know, as I uh, look at my TV and different movies or things I want to watch, 
I'll go, oh, look at, they have this whole workout program here. And it kind of gets you motivated to do it. But although, you know, I don't want to minimize the pain that people are going through and, you know, people have lost loved ones. So I don't want to minimize that. But as we are seeing, whenever we have this crisis or trauma, you also get to see some amazing things around that. And that is the support and love around people who want to be there for you. And some, even as you suggested, some environmental changes that can happen. And so um, I don't want to diminish the pain, but I, I also want to recognize that in the midst of this, um, we can, A, recognize our growth, we can recognize our resilience, and we can recognize our ability to overcome. So I think the, the last thing that I'd like to bring up is, you know, if we look at history, there's been other pandemics, there's been war, there's been things that have happened. And the thing that we can see from the history is that there will become a day will, where we will overcome. Right. What are some things that people can start doing after we overcome this? Well, I, that's perfect. So I say, you know, I like things in three. So I like three. So on my, you know, I have a metahabilitation system that helps people through trauma and there's six stages. So I'm going to capsulize those into three ideas. And there is a before, there is a during, and there is an after time to all of this. And so as you deal with the acute part of this and the, you know, the enormity that we've kind of talking about, oh my gosh, look what's happened. And you start to, some of the ideas that you shared with me, Raphael, and what I shared with you about how to deal with that. Then we have the middle part, kind of what we're in now, the adaptation adjustment stage. How are we hunkering down, but how are we getting the most out of this time and effort? And I, as we're going through that stage, I want you to focus on, or I want people to focus on the aftermath. How are you deciding to move back into life? Because this causes a change in life. And that's not a necessarily a bad thing. We know things now. We have adjusted. We have adapted. We've appreciated life at certain levels that had this not gone on, we wouldn't have noticed that. So take forward the life lessons that you're learning now. Don't get right back into the grind you got in before, but step back and say, you know, I learned that I can let this go. I learned that it was really great to have time with me. I learned that I can balance my work life better. So look at that and start to plan, start the strategy for re-entering life because it will happen. And just appreciate what you have and what you've learned and bring that into your future. And this is something that popped in my head also, but since you are teaching a rec therapy class, has uh -huh. there been any concerns that have came up from any of the students? Uh, in response to... Just everything uh, that's going on, not necessarily based on the dynamics of the class, but has any of them, have any of them started to ask more about uh, when they go out into practicing into the profession have any of them brought any questions about that 
you know, at this point, I think they're, they're in that, pro- they haven't like gotten into, well, what is this going to mean for my practice afterwards? You know, I think at this point, they're in the first couple of areas where, oh my gosh, this just happened. How am I getting my courses, letting me get finished with this? And so I don't, you know, I think that's kind of, kind of be toward the end of our semester. And I'm going to bring that up because that's a good point to bring up. But I think right now they're caught in like those first two areas where it's the acute part of it and the adaption part of it. And how am I, how am I moving through that? So it's nice that they kind of have that idea around that. But I, I do want to say this because this happened to me today and I, I just think it's special. So as I'm working with my students and doing the Zoom, and I've been connecting with them as much as I can and trying to get this as organized because they completely realize how nerve wracking and stressful this is for them. So I'm trying to kind of take on that for them and make this as the ease, as easy as I possibly can. So when we were doing our Zoom meeting today, you know, of course, I'm always, I'm checking in. Are you okay? Are you okay? And toward the end of the class, one of the students said to me, you know, Dr. Michael Flynn, you're always asking us if we're okay. Are you okay? And when she asked that question, it just, it, it kind of threw me off. I, I actually got emotional around it. Like, oh my gosh, I, I keep telling people what to do to reduce their anxiety and stress. And I don't think I'm taking care of myself like I should, because I, I got very teary eyed over that. And I thought it's so nice that a, somebody asked me about that, but number two, I better make sure I take care of myself. I've taken on, you know, I have over what, 130, 140 students that I'm looking at. I have three classes. I had to put completely online. I'm, you know, working with my whole uh, post-traumatic growth situation and helping doing podcasts and radio interviews. And I'm pretty jammed up here. I'm missing my grandchildren and all the other things that used to, and it just hit me. If you're going to tell people what to do, you better take care of yourself. So that's my last message. We need to take care of ourselves. And we need to, if you need to cry and get angry and let go in that way, do it. There's nothing wrong with that. It's your body telling you you're going through something, but we just don't want to stay there. We want to have that. And then we want to take that anxiety and that grief or whatever, and we want to use it to be in a, to do something productive about that. I think that's a very strong last statement to give to everyone. And it rings very true to not only give that advice, but take some of that advice. Yeah. And I want to thank you once again for taking the time. Dr. Awesome. And uh, thank you for having me. If you would like to connect with Dr. Michael Flynn, go to our website at drjmf.com and follow her on Instagram at dr.jmf. Don't forget to share this podcast on Facebook and Instagram. This podcast is for informational purposes only and not intended as any type of legal, medical, or mental health advice. As always, it's been a pleasure speaking to all of you, and have a good one.